who's astonished at uh, the stuff they're beginning to believe and how they're walking away from the message that they've believed of Jesus. So uh, I like Galatians because it's people like us who sometimes get um, off our eyes off of Jesus. We start to believe there's other things that we need, and then we get help to go, hey, hold on, let's turn our eyes back to Jesus and um, look full into his wonder and grace. And this is what Paul does for us. So this morning, I'm going to try to do it a little bit. Uh, I'm going to do it through three different, uh, th- three parts, is look at an external problem we have, look at an internal problem we have, and then look at how we actually find real freedom in Jesus Christ. Um, and that's what Paul's trying to help them see and help us see. There's an external problem, there's an internal problem, and there's true freedom in Christ. Let me ask you this question, and don't answer it, but, but do answer it inside your own head. Is, uh, and I will ask a few of you generally how we might do this. How would you try and justify your existence? Big question. You had to justify your existence. Why do you exist? Why are you alive? Just try and do that. Okay, not answering for yourselves. We take that pressure off of you. You can share that with someone else later if you like. How might people generally answer this question? What are some ways that people in our world, people in this room, people in our city, our neighbors, how might people try to justify their existence? Children? Have children? Being useful? (laughs) Yeah. Helping others, service, build things, yeah, contributing to society, yeah. Sorry, Sam, thanks for worship this morning, and team, worship and team, Uh, Sam and team, it was just wonderful, just loved worship this morning. Living their best life, life, individuality, pursuit, yeah. So there's there's ways, I'm going to show you um, quickly nine ways because there's a, I don't know if, if, if you, a lot of you in this room would have heard of, of Enneagram or, or know what your Enneagram type is. All, all it really is is a way to kind of identify the things that go on in your heart, your fears and your longings, and then to, to go to work, let the gospel work on those areas. It's not, it's not um, you won't find it in the Bible. It's just kind of like a who are you type of uh, thing. So if you could throw up the next slide, I believe it's the next slide. There's these kind of nine personality types. One is making the world a better place. This is kind of the perfectionist. They're always at work to make things better, bring order into the world. Um, This is how, so these are ways that people might naturally try and justify their existence. And so a type one person um, will try and make the world a better place. If they're bringing order, uh, making things more perfect, they feel like they, have a meaning, reason to exist. A type two uh, might think that they, they always want to offer support wherever, wherever it's needed. So they're the kind of helper. They, they offer service. So if they're helping, they feel like they have a reason for existing. Um, number three is achieving meaningful success or goals. 
So they always have to be uh, achieving something. They, they are called the achiever. So uh, how do they justify their existence? They must have some sort of goal they're achieving, some sort of thing they're doing that others think are valuable. Others can go, hey, well done on that, that thing that you did. Um, the fours exploring the depth of human individuality. Those are those deep, artsy, emotional, uh, you're like, last time I saw you, you were so happy. Now you're like, not so happy. And they're like, yes, but I'm just expressing my full self. Um, getting really into it. These are deep people. Uh, but they also always, always feel like they're misunderstood and, and things like These are the type fours. What are they called? Individualist. Is that what it is? Uh, type fives, having and hoarding knowledge. Uh, these, on the playground, maybe, no, never mind. Let's just keep it positive. Uh, these are people who know, they, they feel like their, their knowing justifies their existence, but they don't necessarily uh, want to share their knowledge willy-nilly with everyone. They actually kind of keep it to themselves. So in other words, they're the people that, you know, they, they come to me when you want to know stuff, and I will grace you with the answer. Um, they might, I might not present themselves in that kind of superior way, but that really is their disposition, is I've got the answer, and if you come and ask me for it, I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll call it my perspective, but it, it really is the answer. Um, <laughs> number six is anticipate problems and preparing for them. So they're driven by fear, and they're always thinking about what might be, the problems that could happen, and then making plans to avoid those things that could happen. Um, they may feel like they're future thinking, but they're future worrying and planning ahead to, to not uh, face those problems up ahead. Uh, they are called the loyalist. So you can understand if you're always uh, seeing the potential problems that they are the loyalist. They just want to commit and st stick and commit. Um, let's keep it as it is. Uh, being open to all of life's possibilities is the seven. These are the adventurers. The let's, let's, uh, have a, let's go somewhere on the weekend. Let's meet new people. Uh, the FOMOs, the uh, fear of missing out. Those, you know, if, you, if, if, you, if that is like a major thing for you, you want to be invited to everything. Um, I know I'm not a seven because when I don't get invited to stuff, I celebrate. Uh, <laughs> yes! Not always. Please invite me to something sometime. But, <laughs> but I know I'm not a seven because the seven is like, yes! And you're like, do you even want to be there? And they're like, I don't even know. It, but I don't want to not be there. Um, you're, you're a seven. And so they can't, they struggle to commit to something. They struggle to lock themselves down because if they do, they might miss out on some, something else. Um, the seven is the? Enthusiast. Enthusiast. The eight uh, is they exist to advocate for and empower others. They are uh, the reformer. They um, are the, this kind of powerful personality that's always trying to evoke change and trying to push people into things. Uh, but their heart is really to advocate. And, and so they really struggle if they can't control things and people um, because they really want to advocate for justice and bring people through and get you into all that God has for you. Don't you want that? <laughs> um, uh, and so they can be misunderstood um, because they do come across as, as kind of a bit imposing. Uh, but they have a lot of desire to uh, advocate and uh, express power. Um, 
then there's the last one is promoting peace, harmony, and understanding. These are the most likable of all the personality types. This is one, Nas is this one. They just want harmony. They just want people to get along. They just want people to understand. They're the annoying ones that when you're having an argument with someone, they sit there and go, I understand you're both right. <laughs> you're just not hearing each other. And you're like, you're not hearing anyone. <laughs> Because I know that I'm the only one that's right, and you don't understand it. You understand nothing. I understand how you feel. <gasps> ah! What they can't handle is disruption and conflict. So they may lack courage to, when they need to, stand up and address something, because that might cause disharmony. Or in, they may try, think that they're being courageous and try and reconcile everything all the time and not really deal with things because let's just get over that and, and all hug. Um, because they really need peace. So they're the peacemaker. They really need peace all the time. Um, so there's these nine personality types, right? And so when we look at what Paul's saying, uh, there's this external pressure that all of us feel the external problem is that we try and justify ourselves by external means. So when we try and justify our existence, for example, or our faith, we look at uh, things outside means by which we might try and justify our existence. So this is what happens to the Galatians, is that someone came along, came into the church, and began to convince them that believing in Jesus wasn't enough to be saved that being, believing in His goodness and His grace and His salvation upon the cross and uh, knowing His love and forgiveness wasn't enough. They needed something else. And in this case, they were convinced by a religious rule and uh, a religious tradition that this external thing that was going to justify your salvation is circumcision and keeping calendars. Paul says you keep these dates and calendars and uh, routines and rhythms uh, there's these external signs, and that's what they get convinced about. So here you have people who've placed their faith in Jesus, they've believed the good news of, of Jesus, but now that they're convinced that that's not enough, you need some other way to show that that is really what you believe, and this is the way you can get circumcised, because this is what God commanded to Moses, and uh, after a blah, 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 and he, well, Abraham, and blah, blah, here, here, here you have it. And so Paul is going, I'm flabbergasted that you think you need an external means to justify yourself. I'm, I'm flabbergasted. And, and so he uses this wonderful language. He says, like, if you get circumcised, you sever yourself from Christ. Do you, do you see what he's doing there? <laughs> I'm not going to explain what circumcision is. But basically, you think, you, you think you're getting your righteousness through this external cutting off of something What's really happening is you're cutting yourself off from the grace in Jesus Christ. And so he goes, those people who teach you that, I wish they would just emasculate themselves. Just cut everything off. <laughs> Sorry for the little squeak. I, I'm not that passionate about it. But it's like, just if that's going to work, just cut everything. It's not going to work. It's rubbish. And he goes, by severing yourself, by, by using external means to try and justify your salvation, you're severing yourself from the grace of God. Let's uh, go read again. You're severing yourself from Christ and the grace that is in Christ through faith. 
You once were standing in grace. We are saved by faith alone through the grace of God alone. But now you have this external problem of trying to add to it external things that reaffirm your righteousness. The reason I'm using the Enneagram is that I don't think circumcision is a temptation for anyone in this church. I haven't, we've been here for 11 years, this, this King's Cross has been here for 11 years, I've never once heard anyone say, uh, I've put my faith in Jesus, when's, and I've done the baptism thing, when are we getting circumcised? <laughs> not once. In fact, I'm pretty sure that's not going to help our church membership if we include that. <laughs> so that's not really the problem that we have. But within our culture, we have other problems. So we live in a pleasure city. If you, if you are living your fullest life, then you have to have experiences that you can put up on Instagram, right? Think about the poor seven, seven Christians here, the, the sevens, the enthusiast, who live in Perth, a city where if you're not camping every other weekend and putting up uh, photos of Instagram of the, uh, the, what do they call it when you like take food? and then you break it up into pieces, and then you only leave a little bit left on the plate? Like it's... Deconstructed. deconstructed. That's the same, very close to fasting. Um, if you don't have that on your Instagram, you're not really like into the food scene. And if you don't have a picture at the beach, you don't really, you're not into the chill scene. And if you don't have a picture of yourselves camping uh, with some like serious gear... You're not really into, like, the adventure scene. You, can you think? The poor sevens. They put their faith in Jesus, and then they found out that the rest of them is totally unacceptable. Well, what kind of, you know, like, you go to church every weekend? Uh, yeah, the same group of people? Uh-huh. Um, you, you, you can very quickly make the seven believe that they are a useless, boring, uh, just do nothing type of person who can then start going, okay, uh, and this is, this is the seven maybe trying to justify themselves. What, what are we doing? Uh, what are we do- well, how are we going to reach people? Um, what are we doing to serve Jesus? How are we getting out there? What are we making happen? How are we raising funds? How are we sowing to, uh, giving to the poor? How are we uh, sheltering the homeless? How are we, and you can see how they're taking the enthusiasm, trying to justify themselves through external means of, this is really going to feel like my faith in action if I can get to like, do something. And none of those things are bad. All those things should be done. But you can, you can, I'm trying to express it in a way that you can feel the pressure yeah. of trying to be justified by external means. Right? Or the, the two, the servant, the helper, who commits, overcommits, or commits to things. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. Uh, Christians are supposed to be helpers. We're supposed to do something. This person in my church is sick, so I'm going to go over to their house and mow their lawn. And that person had a baby, so I'm going to make a meal and drop it off. Uh, probably one meal is not enough, so we'll make a whole week of meals and they can freeze those. And uh, our church puts up chairs, so we're going to arrive early and we'll set out the chairs and then we'll do the sound. And then I'll also be able to, I could probably do the sound and be on the worship team. Uh, that's not too much of a problem. We'll just do like a, uh, we'll have like a little iPad that can do the sound from the stage while I lead worship. Um, and then I can also be on kids' ministry because afterwards I can run across, do the kids. I can listen to the sermon during the week so I can lead the community group through a conversation. 
getting justified through service. The worst thing to say to them, the worst thing, hey, just do nothing for a little bit. You know for you what faith would look like? Just for you, just for one month. What faith in Jesus, just for the next month, do nothing. Just so you can practice, exercise, trust that faith in Jesus is enough. Don't do nothing forever. That won't be good. That's not a good thing for anyone. But three, the achiever. They can go about, oh, you see, if we did this and helped this person, we'd be able to, like, transform that person's life. Whoa. And then people will look at our church and they'll be like, that church is really about the gospel. And then people who care about gospel centrality will come to us because we have this thing that really communicates gospel centrality well. Are you amazed? <laughs> well, are we really doing it for Jesus or are we trying to achieve something that makes us feel like we, we're doing a lot for Jesus? Do you, do you see how external means? The problem is that we look for external means to justify ourselves. And Paul goes, that's a problem. Don't look for anything external to justify yourself. Look to Christ alone. Look what he says. Faith works its way through love. Faith works its way through love. And later on in verse 14, 13, he says, uh, and love works its way out in serve one another, service to one another. So the grace of Jesus uh, means that we have this faith. Faith looks like loving others. Loving looks like uh, service to others. The difference there is, uh, I hope you can see this, is that when we are under pressure externally to do certain things to uh, prove, to justify our faith, we are looking inwardly. We are trying to get justified. It's about us. The things I'm doing, I'm doing to feel justified, to show myself where my standing is. The thing about faith and grace in Jesus is that it works its way out in love for others and service to others. It's not about me. It's the love of Jesus through me. It's about them. So grace makes us others-orientated, where legalism or external uh, pressure makes us self-orientated. So if you don't know if you're under pressure or not, here's the question. Are you thinking more about yourself, your guilt, your shame, your righteousness, your just... Or are you thinking more about others? You just have an energy and a desire to love and serve others. Where's your thought? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? I have a friend, just a wonderful, wonderful Christian brother, just a most wonderful, uh, loves Jesus, loves God's Word, loves praying, loves God's people. And someone else convinced them that perhaps they weren't a Christian. Do you know how they convinced them? Not through the direct argument of, is Christ enough? But through this argument. If you really loved God, surely you wouldn't struggle with any sin, and you'd be serving Him much more radically. And he couldn't disagree with that argument. How could you not love God more? And why wouldn't you serve God radically? And why would you struggle with sin if you truly love God? And then he got to the place where he became so interested that he, that he was like, maybe I'm not even a Christian. Yeah. 
He was turned so far inside himself that he couldn't see if he believed in Jesus anymore or not. I mean, he knew he believed in Jesus, but, but did he really? And condemnation turns us inward. And people had to come alongside this brother and help pull his head out of himself and focus it on Christ and go, look beyond yourself and find freedom. Another brother uh, encountered incredible suffering in his life that had felt so unfair, so unjust, and started thinking, surely if I'm suffering this way, God is against me. Surely I've done something wrong. Surely I'm not a Christian. What come, where does that come from? It comes from some sort of message that if you truly are loving Jesus and serving Jesus and living God's way, then your life is just going to pan out so wonderfully. And, and so when it doesn't, maybe I'm not loving Jesus. Maybe I'm not serving Jesus. Maybe I'm not living God's way. And he literally went from serving God in the most wonderful ways to, to trying to get saved again and again and again, repenting over and over and over, uh, coming to the community table again and again, asking other people to pray for him. I don't know how to get saved. I don't know why God won't let me. The external problem. You've turned in on yourself. Here's, rather than the message, hey, if you follow Jesus, I promise you things are going to get tougher <laughs> in this life. At times. But in one way, they're also not. Because even when they get tougher, you'll have a hope beyond them. And so in that sense, nothing, no suffering that ever comes to you will be the end of you. Because you can look beyond it at your hope that you have in Jesus Christ. When we look for external means for justification, we turn inward. We condemn ourselves and become smaller and smaller and smaller in our faith until no longer are we uh, connected to Jesus and the grace that we have in Jesus. We are severed from Jesus and His grace and we start to feel the condemnation uh, in our lives. You know what, what, what people do when they feel that? Sometimes they, they act out. Sometimes people do the most outlandish thing. The saddest, one of the saddest things I heard was when someone acted out outlandishly was another group of Christians look into their life and say, were they ever saved? What is that? Just more heaping of condemnation. The, look, only Christ knows our hearts. Only God can look into our hearts and know. But surely we understand that in our hearts there's this pressure that is lumped on us. And if we feel like we can never live up to it, there is a chance, like a child living in a home, if he feels that he can never, ever get the approval of his parents, it's likely that he will rebel and go do the opposite of what they value and treasure. It's likely that if someone feels like they are always against God, uh, they are never good enough, no matter how hard they try, His favor is never on them, it's likely that they may act out in ways that are unbecoming of a Christian. And in those times, it's time to come back and to reconnect people to the grace of Jesus and His love. Come back. And that's what Paul's doing to the Galatians. Come back. You, were, you, you started so well. You were running so well, he says. The second problem is an internal problem. Paul goes, not only are you looking for external justification, 
through, through any means. But this other problem is that you also have, have this issue of internal desire. <laughs> you know, so this is the, um, don't know, I don't know everyone's Christian tradition, but if you come from a more charismatic tradition, this is where maybe we might say, you know, the devil made me do it. Uh, why did you do this? Well, the devil tempted me. Um, Paul doesn't do that so much. He more goes, you have a desire for things of the flesh. Your, your flesh has desire. You, you, you have a broken nature. And he doesn't separate himself. He says, anyone, yeah. all of us, he includes himself, anyone with a material body, you have a desire, a fleshly desire for, for certain things that, that may be sinful. Acknowledge it. Accept it. Know it. Don't, don't like separate yourself from it. Paul goes, the desires of the flesh are contrary to the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are contrary to the flesh. So what Jesus has given you to help you with your internal problem is His Holy Spirit. We sang this morning about God a thousand hallelujahs. You are holy. You alone are holy. All the angels declare you are holy. Creation declares you are holy. As we look upon you for eternity, we'll say you are holy. And God gives us His holy, pure Spirit to help us walk in ways that our flesh doesn't allow. So it means not only do we have this external desire to seek justification, but as we're walking through life, we also have this internal desire towards sinfulness. And Paul says the way that we, um, we, we counter this is by walking with the Holy Spirit. He guides us and leads us in ways that are contrary to the desires of the flesh. So this is what Paul is saying to us. You have freedom in Christ when you believe in Him. Freedom has come through Jesus Christ, faith in Jesus Christ. And He has put you into a position of faith, uh, grace, sorry. He's put you into a place of grace. Now through the Holy Spirit, walking with the Holy Spirit walks out through faith. And faith looks, walks out in love. And love walks out through service to others. And then he explains love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self, you know, blah, blah, all these things, which is very different. So let's get back to the beginning. So how do we justify ourselves? How do, how do we justify existence? The person who believes in Jesus, everyone who's probably in this room, you're either curious about Jesus or you've put your faith in Jesus already. We come, look again, and let's, let's say the number two, our support whenever, wherever, whenever needed. The, the server, the helper, the person. So they, they put their faith in Jesus. Jesus liberates them from the external pressures of having to justify themselves or prove themselves righteousness through service. You're never going to serve your way to being a mature Christian. He releases them. And as they stand in the grace of Jesus Christ and they receive everything that is theirs in Him, and as they walk with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit makes real to them how Jesus has served them, how Jesus has been their helper, how Jesus has been, when they were in need, dead in their trespasses and transgressions and could do nothing for themselves, Jesus came as the washer of disciples' feet, as the uh, one to be persecuted on the cross, the body and the bread that we, we celebrate. He came as the great helper, and He has given to them the Holy Spirit, who's also called the helper. 
so that they never have to do it alone, so that he's going to aid them and guide them and care for them. And as that comes home to them, as they uh, drink from that fountain of grace, of Jesus' provision, of the Holy Spirit helping and aiding, they naturally, because of the way that Jesus has wired them, walk out their faith by helping others. It's not that they stop becoming themselves. It's not that they go, after I've met Jesus, I no longer have to help anyone. It's that they go, Jesus, for freedom's sake, Christ has set us free. Jesus has freed me to be the me I was always meant to be. And as I get to know Jesus more and I walk with the Holy Spirit, I am free to help people, not to look for justification, but because that's how He has made me. I come alive as I serve others. This is actually a real blessing to me. Can I please serve or help in this way? Oh, no, don't worry about it. No, no, no. It's not, I'm not worried about it. This helps me come alive. I thoroughly enjoy this. It would be a blessing to me to be able to help you in this way. Can I make this meal for you? Oh, no, don't worry about it. We, 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 uh, we also have jobs and we're able to buy food. No, no, no. It's not that I don't think you're able to. It's just that I, I have this overflowing desire and full of faith and energy. And I, I just feel like um, called to make you a meal. Is that okay? Yeah, okay, sure. This is, it's tough to walk in community because, you know, the individualist or the independent person who's more like me is like, no, don't worry about the meal, I don't need it. But actually, I do need it because they need it because that's part of how they serve Jesus. So I need to accept it and eat it and like it. (laughs) You don't have to like it, but you do have to eat it. What about the achiever? We're not going to go through all of them, but what about the achiever? Finding meaning and success. Well, as they get to know Jesus and they think about what Jesus has done, He has achieved salvation for them. Not partly achieved it. It was His goal to save all those that God had given to Him. He achieved His goal. He justified us. As they realize Jesus is the great achiever. He has accomplished it. The work is finished. It is done. And as they rest in His achievement, not theirs, His, oh, I rest in you. You have achieved salvation for me. You have made me an adopted child of God. You will call me home. I am accepted and loved because of your achievement. And your achievement is perfect and will never be wiped away. I rest in that. Then as I walk with the Holy Spirit, He frees me to be ambitious about the gospel. And to work hard and to do things, not for justification, but because that's how He's made me. I want to change the world for you, Jesus. I want to get things done for you, Jesus. Not so that I can be justified, but because that's how you've made me. And the Holy Spirit is burning a flame of, of ambition. I have a holy, righteous ambition to glorify Jesus. And that scripture like, uh, lift Jesus, wherever Jesus is um, lifted, He will draw people unto Himself. Jesus, I want to lift Your name so high in my city. How can I be involved in that? Do you, do you see the difference of like, this freedom to be versus uh, the burden of being justified? And so what happens as they do, maybe they achieve something. Maybe they, they preach a sermon and someone's heart's touched. And they come afterwards and they go, that was an amazing sermon. It's changed my life. That per- it's like, great. I, I'm, that's good. 
thank you, Jesus, that you used a donkey like me to help someone. Well, thank you, Holy Spirit. Wonderful. Where if they're trying to be justified, someone goes, that sermon changed my life. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm nailing it. I must be doing a good job. You see how you use, you're, using, you're using people. You're using the gifts of God. Freedom's sake, Christ has freed us to deal with our external problem, to deal with our internal problem, to stand in faith in the grace that we have in Jesus, to learn to be ourselves, to be freely ourselves, to express ourselves, to become ourselves, to serve God in love to others. Let me close. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. There Paul brings it all home for us. If we're walking by the Spirit, we can't possibly be using who we are against one another envying one another, taking from each other, trying to still justify, feel comfortable in our, in our, in our own skin, uh, be important, be valuable, find meaning. You can't walk with the... Uh, if we walk by the Spirit... Uh, sorry, I've lost my place. I'll find it in a second. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. I like how he talks about that in an ongoing tense. In other words, as we walk with the Holy Spirit, we, when we walk out of step with the Holy Spirit and we see these things, we can pull ourselves back in line and go, whoops! I think, I'm, I think I'm feeling under condemnation or I feel like I'm trying to justify myself or I'm being envious of my brother or sister. I heard this great news and I actually it made, me, it made me think about my lack of achievements or lack of success or feeling overlooked or I felt small. Whoa, hold on, something's wrong. Let me come back into the grace that I have in Jesus Christ, uh, the faith to walk with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, please help me. So I go back to the first question. How do you justify your existence? I don't know how you answered it at first, but, but hopefully as we've looked through an external problem and an internal problem, how do you justify your existence? Hopefully you can say, my existence is justified by the love and acceptance I've received from God through the faith that He's given me in Jesus Christ. I cannot justify myself. I cannot prove myself. I do, and I don't have to. I don't have to give in to the external pressures to make a name for myself. I have been given the power through the Holy Spirit to push back against the desires of my flesh. It's, I can be honest and accept and I don't have to hide them because I'm already justified and loved by the Father through faith in Jesus. So when I'm wrestling with my flesh, I don't have to hide that. Someone in our community group said so greatly, I think, 
why, why is there a wrestle between the spirit and the flesh? And they said, because that's the reality of freedom. If all you had was only the ability to walk in step with the Holy Spirit, that's it. You couldn't switch it on, you couldn't switch it off. That's the only, all you had. Then you would never know what freedom is. But freedom is knowing your potential to sin, the desires of your flesh, and choosing to keep in step with the Holy Spirit and seeing His power at work in your life and experiencing the difference that God makes through His grace. And so I'm going to hand over to Jib for communion. But what I've really tried to do this morning is peel away any pressure, any temptation, any burden, any lie that continually presses upon you and turns you inwardly. And to lift, and for some of you, you don't need this. You are walking so much in, the, in faith in Jesus, in the grace of God. You are so well connected to His grace. Your faith is being expressed in love lavishly. Uh, your love has been expressed in abounding service, who you are. Who, you are just flourishing. Then praise God. Yeah. But for some of you, you are being burdened by the external pressure or the internal desires. And you aren't winning and this morning, here's our connection point. And Jib can take, it to a, take us there in a second. Our faith in Jesus and His finished work. And as we leave this condemnation for the freedom of faith, and as we walk in step with the Holy Spirit to put off flesh, then we can stand in freedom knowing ourselves, who we are. We can look in the mirror and go, there's the person God has made. There's the person God has chosen. There's the person God has redeemed. And there's the person God has leashed on the world to spread His love. Thank you, God. Thank you for helping to make me, me, to restore me, to heal me, to unburden me, to take the weights of sin off of me, to pull me out of the bushes of shame and guilt, and to bring me into freedom of being able to walk honestly with brothers and sisters, to cry out for help whenever I need it, to not try to do it alone. Let me pray for us.